Hello, Senior Pastor. Good to be with you again another week. Hello, Pastor. Good to be with you too. We have this, uh, this story, the great story uh, that begins in Genesis, um, in the book of Genesis, and we are going to go through that today. Uh, there are so many things to discuss in the book of Genesis, and we're going to try and see if we can uh, provide a little summary for those that are listening. Um, Amen. And, and as we go through, we're going to kind of divide it into three sections, as we always do. Uh, God the Creator, uh, found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 31. Um, and then we're going to look at the great patriarchs, uh, found in Genesis chapter 12, uh, chapter 21, chapter 32. Um, also uh, in Exodus 3, verse 6. And then finally, we're going to look at God's people and how they were preserved. Uh, in Genesis chapter 45 and Genesis chapter 46. So we have a lot of grounds to cover today. Uh, but there's an, uh, an evangelical emphasis that we want to look at, and that is that God has provided salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, every time we look at scripture, we find that it points to Jesus. Uh, so yes. the Old Testament um, is just kind of providing us uh, some information as to how God from one man created this entire nation and how he preserved them and created or provided salvation um, for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And that it wasn't only specific to that, those people, that particular nation, um, that particular family, but that it expanded. And we see that uh, in the New Testament that, it was, you know, that Christ did not only come to the Jews, but he also came to the non-Jews, you know, the Gentiles, Amen. all those that um, were able to call on his name, to accept him as, as their Christ, as their Lord, as their Savior. So it's, it's very revealing in Genesis chapter, in Genesis chapter 1, um, when it talks, actually in the first verse it says, in the beginning God. And that's Amen. where we anchor or study today. In the beginning, God. That's the great story, um, the great story that begins. Uh, and we find that the Bible is the great story of God in relationship with humanity. We have this great story because God speaks. Amen. Um, God created the cosmos by the power of his spoken word. Throughout the great story, God continues to speak. And he spoke through, throughout generations. Throughout generations, he, he spoke and he continues to speak. God conversed with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God spoke with Cain and Abel. God spoke to Noah to warn him of impending judgment and instruct him in the building of a great ship. God spoke to Abraham of Ur, calling him to be the father of calling him to be the father of the people of God and the founder of our faith. God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, calling him to deliver Israel from Egyptian oppression and later to give the divine law the ten Commandments. The Bible, as we know it, is a collection of 
ancient stories inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we find that in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, the stories began as oral traditions passed from generation to generation. And we must make note of that, that uh, many of these stories were, were, were oral traditions passed on from generation to generation. They didn't have computers or, or, or pens or pencils or paper or printers or anything, any of the resources that we have access to now. Uh, these were oral traditions, you know, fathers telling their children, mothers telling their children, and those children passing it on to their children. Um, as humans developed writing, these stories were recorded on clay tablets, parchments, which are, anim- which are animal skin, and, and papyri, uh, which is ancient paper. Scribes collected the stories in the form of scrolls and codices, uh, which are ancient books. These Ancient documents were primarily written in Hebrew in the Old Testament and Greek in the New Testament. As the great story spread throughout the world, scribes translated the scriptures into various languages, and we see that um, even in, you know, in, our, in our Bibles, uh, we have various interpretations. We have different versions of the scripture and, and different uh, versions in different languages. So we have access to what God was saying throughout history. Um, As the great story spread throughout the world, scribes translated the scriptures into various languages. The Holy Spirit has preserved the great story and guided the transmission of the Holy Scriptures throughout the millennia. The great story is not a product of human imagination, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit. And that's a very important point because many are trying to discredit um, the gospel, the word of God, the Bible, um, coming up with various um, ideas and ideologies, trying to discredit the word of God. But we know that these were men and women moved by the Holy Spirit in order to write these words that we hold so dear. Uh, Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3, summarizes the history of divine revelation. And it says that God, who at various times and in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed here of all things. Through him, through whom, sorry, also he made the wells, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. So at various times God spoke in time past to fathers, to the fathers by the prophets. And we are going to be learning um, of a few of the uh, great patriarchs today. And we're going to turn it over to you, a senior pastor, as you talk about God the creator. Thank you, Pastor O. And um, something was said that is profound that I want all of us never to forget. And that is that the Bible that you hold in your hand, that book that you're holding in your hand, should not be taken lightly. That's why we are told to study to show ourselves approved. Holy men wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. 
and those of us who have to teach and preach, um, we need the inspiration to, in, to impart the inspired Amen. word of God. And those of you who are members of the church, you can tell when we go up and there is no inspiration and there is no anointing. Or somebody else come to preach and they were without anointing. You, you can tell because the anointing makes the difference. The anointing breaks the yoke. So we need the anointing. Even as you're listening, you need to be anointed to listen to what is being said. Another thing I thought of, Pastor Ho, before we carry on, is that what we are trying to do, and some people might not even listen because they say, oh, we are not hot enough because we're not speaking in tongues. And after every sentence, we're not saying hallelujah after every sentence. We are not, well, we are not together now, but knocking over benches when they come to church and things like that. That's, that's not it. That's not it at all. Um, we are giving you knowledge, and knowledge brings wisdom. And we want you to have wisdom that when you impart the word of God, you know exactly what you're saying. And this series that we are going through will help us to do that. So I encourage you, Pastor Howard, go on ahead and put it on so you can follow. I encourage you if you can purchase a book that you do so because there might come the time when we want to quiz you on what you've been learned. When you go into immigration, you have to study the question. They might not give you more than about five or ten, but they give you a hundred and something, and you have to study it. When you're going for your driver's license, you've got to study to make sure that you know what to do on the road. When you go for an exam, you have to study. So I encourage all of us, to study. And this lesson is very, very important. The great story, the greatest story, really. And Pastor Ho don't want to call it a story because it's reality, but the greatest story that was ever told. Um, God, the creator. God is the creator. We didn't come here by evolution. We didn't come here to apes. God created. God made man and woman in their own language. And the first article of the Apostle Creed is, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. So what we're saying here, God as Father reveals him to the source of all life and speaks of the relationship he wants to have with us. We have come to know God through his creative creative act. That is very important. The apostle wrote, for since the creation of the world is invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. And three persons make up the Godhead body here, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, if you want to call it. Creation reveals God's attributes. And what are they? God is omnipotent. And what do we mean by that? That is all-powerful. Meaning that God created, God sustains, and redeems the universe. Then God is omniscient, is all-knowing, and 
He knows about everything before the creation of the world. I was saying that to somebody. He knew before we came out of our mother's womb what was going to happen. And God is omnipresent. So God is omnipotent, is omniscient, is omnipresent. That is, is simultaneously present throughout and beyond the cosmos. God is simultaneously present throughout all the ages, past, present, and future. Let me say that again. Past, present, and future. The great story assumes God's eternal being. God is eternally self-existent. One, and listen, children, one with no beginning and no end. Now, we came to the womb of the woman so that we would know him. But he is without beginning and he is without end. And you can't beat that. All right, let's look at the God of the beginnings. And I'd like for you to read together. Let's read together. Verse 1 through 25 is short, so we're going to go through it. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Number 2, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Verse 7, And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament of the waters, which were above the firmament, and it was so. 9, And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed it is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. We skip to verse 16. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the less, lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Hence we have morning and night. Verse 21. And God created whales and every living creature that moved, that moved, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after its kind. And God saw that it was good. All right, let's read verse 24 together. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after its kind, cattle and creeping thing and beasts of the earth after its kind, and it was so. Now, in the Bible creation story, the earth and seas do not give rise to the gods. If, if you go to, like, the African countries and so, they worship God. But it doesn't, creation story doesn't give rise to that. Instead, the Spirit of God moves over and above the waters, and it is the source of life. Genesis 1 and 2, God is not dependent upon creation in any way. Creation, listen children, creation is utterly dependent upon God's life-sustaining power. So remember that, that God don't need you. We need God. The biblical creation account is unique in that it is monotheistic. There is one 
God. Now let's look at the creation. Because the six days of creation demonstrate the orderliness of creation. The creation story explains God's supremacy over creation and deconstructs the gods of ancient mythology. On the first day of creation, God said, are you, are you hearing that? On the first day of creation, God said, let there be light. The sun, moon, and stars were not created until the fourth day. Let's let there be light. Throughout the Bible, light represents the glory of God, and we said that a few weeks ago. So that's what he did on day one. On day two, God decreed the separation of earth and sky. On day two, God decreed the separation of earth and sky. On day three, God decreed the separation of the seas from the land, and he created grasses, herbs, and fruit trees. Not man, but God created all of that. And therefore, God decreed, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons. All right? And for days and year, this was so. The biblical creation story declares that the sun, moon, and stars are not to be worshipped. They do it in some places, but they are not to be worshipped. So who should we worship? The God, God, the true God, the one and only living God. God is the spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And remember his discourse with the woman at the well. You know, he says, that he said, the Messiah is coming. We know he's coming. He said, I am he. We must worship him. Thou shalt have no other gods. We talk about the commandments. On day five, God decreed that the seas be filled with great sea creatures and that the skies be filled with all kinds of winged birds. On the sixth day, God created the beast of the land. All right? So we need to remember that. Now, we also have humanity in God's image. Humanity in God's image. Verse 26 and 27. And God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. So if you see here, that man was the last to be created. Everything else was created. There was something prepared for man to enjoy, and he set man to rule over it. God said, let us make man, and notice he didn't say man and woman, because um, when it comes to that, he said man, meaning man and woman. Male and female created he them. Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And another thing you need to note here also is that woman came from the man from the side of the man, from the rib of the man. Let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27, So God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. 
Now, the image of God in humankind is expressed in the words, and the Lord God breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. All right? Make note of that. And also make note that no other created being shared the intimacy of divine in breathing and the distinction of being adorned with the glory of God. It was just man that God breathed into. He snapped his finger, he spoke, and the birds and the living creatures, he decreed it and they came into existence. But he made man from the dust of the earth and man could move and was just a dummy, but he breathed the breath of life into man, which means he breathed the Holy Spirit. Now, some people have it that it simply means that you, you have the Spirit of God, so you don't need the Holy Ghost. This is erroneous, because he himself, when he was going back to his father, told us to tarry, and that's another message for another time. Um, the Psalms declare, yet you have made humans a little, humans, a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. And God said, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than your ways, his thoughts higher than your thoughts. So God created human as male and female, equally created in the image and likeness of God. Now, we know that marriage came into being because God ordained it so, and God set that into motion in the Garden of Eden when he brought Eve to Adam, and Adam awoke out of his sleep and said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And that was God's creative work. The woman originates from the man and therefore shares his substance and essence. Man, the woman originates from the man and therefore share his substance and essence. All right, what you have, if you get married, is for the both of you. The, the text suggests that the perfect human marriage is an equal partnership or relationship in which each, of, each one complements the needs of the other. Pay attention to that. Those who are married and those who are hoping to get married, pay attention to that that you each complement one another. And the Bible says we are no more twain, but we are one flesh. Sadly, in the life that we live, human selfishness has produced a male-female relationship marred by domination and manipulation and betrayal. We have that happening. We see that happening throughout the Old Testament. And I wish we had time to expound on that, but we'll do that another time. Throughout the Old Testament, God's original intent for marriage degenerates into adultery, polygamy, and divorce. In our day, marriage has degenerated in cohabitation, homosexual partnership. Never in the plan of God. But Jesus reminds us that God's intent for human marriage is a permanent relationship between one man and one woman and only to be separated by death is until death do us part it's not a man and a man it's not a woman and a woman but it's a man and a woman and it's one man and one woman another way humans share the divine image is that god has given us dominion authority to rule over the earth 
make note of that, and we should do that. Because of sin, we have all kind of problems. The heavens and the earth are the temple of God. The heavens and the earth are the temple of God. God owns everything. We know nothing. God owns everything. Adam and Eve and their descendants are to serve as kings and priests, representing God's rule and earth. And I read this past all, and I'm closing so you can do the great patriarchs. But he says that the language, well, humans are to cultivate and keep the earth. Humans are to cultivate and keep the earth. You pass by homes and you see people planting, them planting fruit trees, them planting this. Um, in our backyard there, we are planting everything. And that's what the Lord made us to do, to cultivate and keep the earth. How well are we keeping it? How well are we keeping it? The language of cultivating and keeping is associated with the duties of the priest in serving in the temple of God. I hope you got something from that. I hope that you will turn it over in your mind. Uh, we go to Pastor O now for the continuation, the great patriarchs. Thank you, Senior Pastor. And, and um, there's so much we could actually stop and talk about. Oh, so, yes. so many different messages um, in those passages. Uh, but we are going to be talking about the great patriarchs, and um, we're going to be looking at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, there are a few honorable mentions that I wanted to uh, list here. Um, Noah, and you'll find um, all about Noah in Genesis chapter 6 uh, through chapter 9. And then uh, if you look at Joseph, uh, which actually accounts for about 25% of the book of Genesis, you'll find uh, his story in uh, Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. Um, Hagar and Ishmael, um, you'll find in Genesis chapter 16 and verse and chapter 21. Hagar, of course, being the handmaiden of, of Sarah um, and produced an illegitimate child uh, for Abraham um, named Ishmael. And then you also have Rebecca, who is um, the wife of Isaac, um, and even though we're going to be talking about uh, Jacob, Jacob had a twin brother uh, named Esau, and you'll find uh, that story in Genesis chapter 25. So we just wanted to give some honorable mentions there that you can kind of take a look at uh, on your own time for those that are listening. But let's look at Abraham. Uh, he's considered the father of the faith. And in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, and notice how that is spelled, A-B-R-A-M, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And I remember um, I actually wrote a devotional um, 
uh, found on our blog at uh, blog.sunshinefamily.church, um, and it's called God's Promises. And at the end of that devotional, I asked a few questions. I said, what do you do when God says to move to the unknown? How do you react when God says to believe in the unseen? And this is something uh, that I could just kind of close my eyes and, and think about Abraham. You know, God asked him to move. God asked him to believe. And how do we react? When we act on what has been promised, then will it be accounted to us? And it was accounted unto Abraham for his righteousness. It may take a shift in attitude or even a change in direction. But as Abraham, if you move in obedience, he will bless you. And yeah. we, find, we find that in verse 2. And I will make of thee a great nation. That's the blessing, right? Uh, if, if you believe in God, if you believe in what he says to do, then he will bless you. Now, blessings may come in different forms, but he will bless you if you just do what he says. If he tells you to move, move, right? But in moving, you have to believe in what he said. And Abraham, without question, did what God asked him to do. Uh, God called Abraham and Sarah to continue God's redemptive work. With Abraham and Sarah, God creates a new humanity by blessing. The word blessing is a phonetic word play with the name Abram, A-B-R-A-M. Various forms of the word blessing are used 88 times throughout Genesis, according to Wenham. God's blessing of Abraham is an act of new creation that extends to all the families of the earth, all the families of the earth, black, white, rich, poor, Hispanic, non-Hispanic, black, non-black, white, non-black, non-white, doesn't matter uh, who you are and where you have come from. Um, it is extended to all the families of the earth. God never intended that redemptive blessings be limited to the natural descendants of Abraham. When God delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage, a mixed multitude accompanied Israel out of Egypt, including the African wife of Moses. A foreigner could become a child of Abraham through faith by partaking of the Passover and circumcision. God freely extends mercy and salvation to all the nations of the world with the ultimate goal of God's reign extended throughout the earth. Now, the earliest Christians, most of whom were Jews, understood that the Abrahamic blessing included the justification of the Gentiles, right? So, again, Gentiles basically mean non-Jews. That's the easiest and quickest way to establish who Gentiles were. Yeah. Um, next, we look at Isaac, uh, who was called the child of laughter. Uh, and we'll find that in Genesis 21, verse 1 through 7. Quickly, uh, verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, 
at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him, Isaac. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. Uh, the birth of Isaac represents the joy of a promise kept. And we can understand this, that when God promises, it brings great joy when that promise has been kept, when that which he has promised has been fulfilled. Abraham named their son Isaac, which means laughter. When God promised Abraham that he and Sarah would have a son, they laughed. It couldn't be, God. We're too old. There's no way we can have children at this age. With the birth of Isaac, Abraham's heart was filled with overwhelming joy. As Isaac grew into a strong young man, Abraham's joy increased. God would not allow the promised blessing to die. Why? Because as um, even when it seemed that God would require the death of Isaac, Abraham trusted God. Abraham's faith was rewarded in the provision of a lamb for the sacrifice, right? God proved faithful to the promise, and Abraham's life was filled with joy and laughter. And I want to interject here very quickly um, something about blessing and cursing. And um, Dr. T.B. Alexander, he's a senior lecturer in biblical studies and director of postgraduate studies at Union Theological uh, College in Belfast, uh, North Ar Northern Ireland. Um, it's, he says, experiencing God's blessing or cursing is an important reminder that we do not automatically enjoy God's favor regardless of how we live. We do not automatically enjoy God's favor regardless of how we live. Only those who have truly trusted in Jesus as their Savior, and here's the key, submitted to his lordship will experience God's eternal blessing. So you Amen. cannot enjoy God's favor by mm -hmm. living however you want to live and doing whatever you want to do. You must submit to Christ's lordship. And when you submit to Christ's lordship and truly trust in him, then you will experience God's eternal blessing. Obedience brings blessing not because it merits salvation, but because it demonstrates the reality of our faith in the one who blesses his people. I thought that was quite important to point out. Um, then next we look at Jacob, Jacob the wrestler. I'm going to go through this very quickly. Um, and in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 32, he, uh, and he said, meaning Jacob, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And we have heard countless messages and sermons on this very topic about not letting go until we get that blessing that we are seeking for, that we are carrying for. And uh, he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, 
but Israel. This is where the switch came. For as a prince hast thou yeah. power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Uh, Jacob was the son of Isaac and Rebekah. And I remember I talked about the honorable mention that Jacob also had a brother, uh, twin brother named Esau. Like Sarah before her, Rebekah was barren. And we find that in Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. The curse of sin extends generation to generation. We find that um, especially when we talk about generational curses. Some people do not believe in generational curses. We believe in generational curses. Uh, sometimes you repeat the sin of your father or even repeat the sins of your mother. We must recognize that whatever we do can affect the way our children grow or what our children do or how they live in the future. So we must live in accordance to the word of God so that blessing be extended to uh, our children. Um, but so does the promise of God. The promise yes. of God extends from generation to generation. And uh, Rebecca conceived twins. Her pregnancy was difficult because the children struggled together within her. Their sons, Esau and Jacob, continued to be rivals as adults. Jacob proved to be a deceitful man. He deceived his father, he deceived his brother, and he deceived his father-in-law. Even so, despite all of that, God's promise would be fulfilled through Jacob. So even though Jacob was a deceiver, even though he deceived his brother, his father, and his father-in-law, God still honored his promise. After many years of estrangement, Esau and Jacob were to meet again, and Jacob feared for his life. Since being conceived in the womb of his mother, Jacob's life was one of struggle. Here we talk about generational curses and, being, uh, and deceiving other people. It will catch up with you. When you deceive other people, it will catch up with you. Amen. Now, as he struggled with God, Jacob had a life-transforming moment. At this moment of crisis, God visited Jacob, and they wrestled through the night. How many of us have ever been at a point where we wrestled? We wrestled with an issue. We wrestled with a situation. And we said to God, I will not let thee go until you bless me. And this is where uh, Jacob was. God wrestled with Jacob so Abraham's promise would be fulfilled through him. Jacob recognized that his life of deceit endangered his posterity, and he needed the blessing of God. And I say to all of us, we need the blessing of God over our lives. There is no way we can make it through this life unless we have the blessing and the favor of God over our lives. If not, we're going to find crisis after crisis after crisis, and we're not going to be to be able to handle it. We need the favor and the blessing of God over our lives. Jacob prevailed, and God blessed him here, there and named him Israel. There was a name change. Amen. Amen. There was a name change that took place, and God can change your situation so that the people may know you by your old name, but there is a new name written down in glory, and it 
is mine. Throughout the history of the children of Israel, God would continue to struggle with them. Like their namesake, again, generational curse. The children of Israel were a contentious, deceitful, and rebellious people. I'll say that again. The children of Israel were a contentious, deceitful, and rebellious people. Generation after generation after generation, they would turn their hearts from God and follow after the false gods of Egypt, the false gods of Canaan and uh, of other nations. But God never turned from them. God never forsook his covenant promise with Abraham. If God makes a promise to you, he will keep it. He will honor it. God has never made a promise he could not keep. Amen. Amen. God has never made a promise he could not keep. Um, in the Asbury Bible Commentary, it says, He is a God who initiates relationships with humankind and exercises authority over them. He alone will determine human destinies, right? Uh, I hear quite a few people talk about, oh, I can, you know, I, I am in charge of my own destiny. I'm in charge of my own destiny. No, right? He alone, God alone will determine Amen. human destinies. Obviously, Abram perceives uh, this God who utters the call as one able to stand behind the promises of Genesis 12, verses 2 through 3. For the patriarch embraces the call and believes the promise. Embrace the call and believes the promise. And there are times when God is going to call you. And it's going to be um, a, a calling that requires you to make tremendous sacrifice. Mm -hmm. But you have to embrace the call and believe in the promise because there is a blessing that awaits you, right? There is a blessing that awaits you. And we must recognize the call of God over our lives because only then will we recognize the truest of blessings that God has for us. Um, at this time, we're going to have Senior Pastor, if you can, uh, talk about God's people preserved, the pres preservation of God's people. Yes, and there is so much meat on that bone, Pastor. <laughs> yes, I hope there that is. we will spend some time, those who have the lesson, will spend some time and really chew on it. There's so much there. Um, because the calling of God, I was just thinking as you were teaching there, that it doesn't mean that you're going to have riches right. when Amen. you follow God. It simply means you might go down to the bare bones. Sometimes you might lose your job. Sometimes you might lose your home. You might lose everything. Remember one time that the disciples asked him, they said to him, we have given up all to follow all, right. you, and what will we receive? He said to them, there's no man who has given up mother, because that's what he says. When you come to me, you have to give up mother and father. You've got to love father. me first. It doesn't mean that you don't bother with your parents, but you've got to love me love first. Me first. 
Right. You know, and if you read the, the story of um, Ruth and, and Naomi and that sort of thing, how she gave up all of that. She said, where you lodge, yes, I will lodge, and, and so on. So I'd like for us to spend some time to read that. And um, we, we have three facets here to this lesson. God the Creator. We talk about the great patriarchs. And if you read their story and what they have been through, but thank God, in the book of Hebrews, they confessed that they were strangers and foreigners and sojourners, but they were seeking a better land, which is the land to come. So here we have that although you go through things, although we are disobedient, although sometimes we wonder why we have to go through what we go through, that God's people are preserved, God's people are preserved. And we take up the story of Joseph here and his brethren. When um, Joseph came up and um, the son of Jacob, and um, he was given a multicolored tunic, which they said was the robe of authority, which signify his authority over his brothers. And um, that Joseph also dreamed that God had given him authority over his brothers. And because of this, this provoked his brothers to jealousy. I was talking to somebody last night who called me almost crying from Orlando. And, um, you know, something happened between her and her sister. And I said, well, that, that sounds like the spirit of jealousy. Because, and the father told her that. Well, that was the same thing that was happening here with Joseph. Because of his dreams, because of what the Lord has given unto him. And let me tell you this, nothing will stop the plan of God. And nobody can take what you have. The blessings, the gift that he has given unto you, no, nothing can stand in his way. And nobody can stop it from coming to pass. They were jealous over him, and they conspired to get rid of him. All right? They sold him into slavery. Verse 28, and after many years of suffering as a slave, and we don't have time to go through the whole story here, Joseph found favor with the Pharaoh of Egypt because of his gift of interpreting dreams. Remember that he was sold, put in a pit, and um, what they did was um, they daubed his, his robe into blood and told the father that um, ravenous beasts, wolves, slayed him. And um, at this time they, they sold him into slaves as a slave into Egypt. But because of God being with him, he became prime minister of Egypt. And you need to make note of that. He became prime minister of Egypt. I don't care what you're going through. The blessing that God has pronounced on you will come to pass. You might have to suffer a while you might have to bear some things for a while, but hang in there and wait. Because when one door closes, another door is open. 
and you alone know what God has placed on your life. Some of us could write many books about suffering that we have been through. Many of the patriarchs before us, many of those who preached before us, I listened to their testimony and in trying to spread the gospel, what they went through. And sometimes it's your own household, you know. Um, I think it was, was Paul who said, or Peter, who said, if an enemy had done this to me, Paul, I think it was, if it's an enemy that has done this to me, I could understand. But it was my own people. Sometimes it's your own people. Sometimes it's your own Jamaican that make you look bad. Sometimes they are the ones who don't want you to succeed. But trust in God because it's from the pit to the palace. Amen. From the pit to the palace. Amen. Um, what happened, God was preserving them. And God had a reason in this. So Joseph went there so that he could make a way for them. When I was leaving Jamaica, people was crying and say, oh, Bishop McFarlane, you can't go. What are we going to do? I said, no, I'm going up there like Joseph to provide corn for you. And I've been able to help a number of people. So hang in there, children. If you're in your pit, hang in there and praise God because God will bring you through. Um, a famine developed which threatened the survival of the children of Israel. So they traveled to Egypt to buy grain. As they bargained with Joseph, the writer here said bartered, but it means bargain. They bargained with Joseph, and Jamaican like to say bargain. As they bargained with Joseph, they didn't recognize him as their brother. They probably assumed their brother to be long dead. This man with whom they bargained looked like an Egyptian, and spoke in the Egyptian language. But Joseph, with the Spirit of God, immediately recognized them. Instead of vengeance, and listen to this, God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Instead of vengeance, he wanted reconciliation and called his brothers to come near. Now, I don't know what's happening in your family. I don't know what's happening to your brothers and sisters. I don't know what feud is going on. But it's time for reconciliation. It's time for reconciliation. You can't go to heaven with what you have, the hatred you have in your heart. You can't go to heaven with what you have against your friend or your thing. Leave them alone to God. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Don't pray any bad prayer for them. Pray for them to be saved. Pray for them to have a change of heart. And Joseph, in wanting reconciliation, called his brothers to come near. When they recognized him, and we are chopping it up, when they recognized him, they feared for their lives, but he greeted their fear with kisses. He said, come near. And oh, they could see that he, as he held out his hand to them, to hug them, to let them know that they were welcome. And he also made plans for his father, brothers, and their families to move and live in the best lands of Egypt. Oh, I have always said somebody has got to be saved. Why not you? You cannot because people do you wrong. My mother used to say two wrongs don't make a right. 
So my friend, take a page from Joseph here. All right? And um, don't harbor any vengeance in your life. In the New Testament, another Joseph, the husband of Mary, would be renowned as a dreamer. When he sought to divorce the Virgin Mary because of her pregnancy, an angel came to him in a dream and told him, Fear not, Joseph, to take unto you your wife, because that which is done is done by the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. When Herod sought to destroy the Holy Child, God warned Joseph in a dream. Before God laid the foundation of the world, he had predestinated that the only begotten Son would be the guarantor of blessings, our new creation, and eternal life. And um, A.W. Toza, my good friend, wrote here, God dwells in eternity, but time dwells in God. He has already lived all our tomorrows. He has lived all our yesterdays. That sounds so good. God has already lived all our tomorrows, so why worry about tomorrow? God holds the future in his hand, and he knows the mistake you made yesterday. So face tomorrow with anticipation. Face tomorrow with joy, and let God rule in your life. I hope you have gotten something from this that you should got even a slice of the cake that you enjoy from this lesson. All right. Pastor O, you want to close it off? Sure. Um, well, the story continues. God's story continues um, in our lives, uh, in our world. Um, he is the beginning and he is the ending. And he is the only one that can determine when uh, all this will end. Um, in a world that believes in many gods, the great story proclaims there is one living God who created and sustains the cosmos. Amen. Uh, in a world that foolishly refuses to acknowledge God and we see this, it, it hurts me, it pains me that we're living in a world that foolishly refuses to acknowledge God um, even in creation. Even in the creative process, uh, people are, are refusing to acknowledge God, refusing to give him credit. Even though um, he doesn't need our credit, they refuse mm. to attribute creation um, to something that he did. The creation story boldly asserts that scientific truth about creation can reveal the Lord God. The creation story glorifies God as creator of all to be worshipped by all. Amen. The creation Amen. story glorifies God as creator of all to be worshipped by all. Amen. A world without God is a world that has succumbed to the despair of a meaningless faith. And I can only imagine um, you know, the question always comes to me, what would my life be without God? What would this world be without God? Even so, men and women of faith hear the call of God. The great story reminds us that God has
predestined those who hear the call to inherit God's eternal kingdom. What a beautiful lesson. And we just want to ask the question, is God calling you? And I'm pretty sure he is. So then the other question would be, have you heard the call of God? And so many of us hear the call, but we don't uh, heed to the call. Um, And we learn of this young boy who kept hearing the call. And after a while, uh, the priest said to him, listen, when you hear the call again, say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth." Young Samuel uh, teaches us today that we need to allow the Lord to speak to us. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth." In all creation, as we see creation, as the, as the trees sway, as we see the, the, the greenery of the grass, as we see the flowers bloom, that's God speaking. Speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Senior pastor, if you can, close us out in prayer. Oh, God. Thou art our God and our Savior. And we love you today. We can love you because you first loved us and gave your life a ransom for us that we might be forgiven, that we might come to heaven to be with you. And as we have been through this inspiring time of teaching and sharing, we thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit. We thank the Lord for the creation story Oh, God, we are here because you spoke, and it was so. And we thank the Lord for the lessons in the lives of the great patriarchs. Oh, God, we are surrounded by many clouds of witnesses. We have seen their struggles. We have seen what they have been through. Oh, God, but through it all, they trusted in you. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us, that we will have that same trust. Because if we trust in you, we shall be like Mount Zion, which shall not be moved, but abide it forever. We ask that your presence will be with us. As the songwriter said, abide with me. Fast falls the evening tide. The darkness deepens, Lord, with me abide. Oh, God, you are the preserver of your children as you preserved Israel. You will preserve us because you are able to preserve that which we have committed unto you against that day. Oh, God, we see the day fast approaching and so many things the devil is loose and he's walking to and fro the earth seeking whom he may devour. But in the honored and sacred name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lamb, we pray that that same blood that was shed for our sins, oh, God, will still preserve us today. You said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Keep us, Lord, we have prayed, we have sung, 
We have taught your word, and we pray that, oh God, your word will find space in our hearts. Oh God, that it will be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. Help us today. Thank you that your word became flesh and dwell among us, and we beheld your glory as the glory of the only begotten Son of God. Help us to arise, shine, for the light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Help us, Lord, in our struggles, in our daily struggles, in our walk with you, we struggle sometimes. As Paul says, every time we try to do good, that evil presents itself. But, oh, we know you're well able. And so we place ourselves in your hand that you will keep us, that you will sustain us, that you will watch over us, Lord, and help us, Lord, that we will see your face. Some of us have been coming from a long time. We have been through many situations. We have faced our wilderness experience. We have um, faced the slot of despondency. Oh, God. But like Christian traveling, like the pilgrim progress, Christian traveling, Lord, Help us, O oh God, that when we get to the wicked gate, we will be overcomers because you promised that if we overcome, we will receive a crown of life that faded not away. And we realize that we are not the only ones struggling, but they are the Christians. Oh, some worshiping in terrible and dangerous situation where they have to hide in order for their faith to take hold. Oh, God, in communist country and other places, but we pray that you will remember your children. You alone know what your children are going through. We don't understand everything. We don't know everything. Oh, but those who are on the brink, some people are on the brink, and we pray today that you will rescue the perishing. You will care for the dying, and we'll snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Hear us today, Lord. You're still pleading. You're still at the right hand of your Father pleading for us for one more chance. Hear us today, Lord, and bless us in whatever we fail to ask you today. Fail not to grant it unto us. In the name of Jesus, we pray for healing touch. We pray for deliverance. We pray for provision today. In the mighty name of Jesus, and that you will get the glory and the honor that is due to your name. We thank thee, Lord. And we praise thee today in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and our risen Savior. Amen and amen.